0: God is good. Amen. Sorry about that, but you're stuck with me for this morning. Pastor Stan is out in Florida for the weekend, or at least for the past week he's been there. But it is good to be here. Uh, the sermon series that we're embarking on for the next few weeks has to do with our environments here at Horizon Community and how how, how we play how it, it plays out here uh, in terms of our spiritual health. And it goes, one of the reasons that we like to use the words and images like living room or kitchen, neighborhood, family room, uh, is because it helps us describe a little bit better how life is done here at Horizon Community. Most people are kind of familiar with those particular terms and the different events that take place in that, in those, those uh, living spaces. Church can mean different things to different people. And uh, for some, the idea of coming to church is kind of awkward. For some, coming to church, can be a negative thing, primarily perhaps because of their experience or lack of exposure to it. So at Horizon, when we refer to this setting, we like to call this our living room, hopefully uh, th- that particular term is familiar, that kind of setting is, is comfortable for you, and, and our hope is that people will minimize any kind of anxiety that might exist there, so they can just kind of chill out, relax, and, and enjoy the presence of the, of the God that we serve my focus today will be on what we like to refer to as our family room environment. And uh, I don't know about you, but in, in the Levasa house, our family room is really, really, really busy. All kinds of stuff goes on in there. That's where we, that's where we play games. That's where we watch American Idol. That's where we kind of talk over each other. We kind of sit down, chat a little bit. That's where heart-to-heart conversations take place. It's a safe place in our house because you're not judged there most of the time, and, uh, and you're not rejected most of the time. Uh, but at Horizon, our family room environments are where smaller groups of people gather together on a regular basis, and it's in these settings that we hope you'll experience the joy of building meaningful relationships and also grow in your, in your own life spiritually. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can come together in a setting like this on a, on a weekly basis and, and enjoy your presence and enjoy the presence of our friends and family that are with us today. God... Uh, the only thing that counts is you speaking to our hearts this morning. That's what matters. That's why, that's why we've come. And so we ask that you, you would do that, even through the use of the foolishness of preaching this morning. In Jesus' name, And everybody in the house said amen. amen. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Kimberly and I and the kids, we went up to Seattle for my niece's wedding. And it was, it was an awesome event. We had family that flew in from the South Pacific as far as, as the Samoan Islands. And then some that came from as far as East Coast, New York. and We all kind of converged in the Snoqualmie Valley. There's this place called the Snoqualmie Ridge Golf Country Club. Just a beautiful setting. I mean, it was picturesque. And uh, what really captured my attention as is, is we were uh, enjoying that time together it was not, not, not just the, that beautiful setting of nature, but the family and the friends that were around together celebrating this, this union that we've been anticipating for most of... of uh, My niece's life, and that was just a beautiful thing. And you can usually tell when Samoans get together. You can usually tell when they get together because there's going to be this rumbling that goes on in town, and that's usually kind of a what usually happens is there there are pigs, cows, and chickens running for their lives. (laughs) And on that weekend, most didn't make it because there was a whole lot of people, a whole lot of love, and a whole lot of food, Uh, a lot of carcasses, and Snoqualmie will never be the same. Uh, when I think about, when I, when I reflect back on that, on that wedding setting, uh, I, I think about perhaps why the Lord would use the imagery or the metaphor of a bride to describe the church. Uh, here's, a, here's a question for you. How would you describe church? I know you came here ready to be comfortable in your seat. It's about a 45-minute seat, so you've got a few minutes left in there. You came in to just kind of relax, didn't want to participate, but I'm going to ask you to participate a little bit. If I were to ask you to give me one word that best describes what church means to you, one word, what church means to you, what would that be? Uh, You're free to speak this morning, and so I'm going to to let you think about that, let it percolate, before I figure out who I'm going to call on, okay? Or you can just freely say whatever's on your mind. So when I say the word church, what comes to your mind, anybody? Family, friends, somebody else? Lord, Lord. Worship. Somebody else. That was great. Safe haven. Safe haven. Thank you. Somebody else. Prayer. Prayer. Thank you. That's awesome. Somebody else. Church. What comes to you, my first thing? Jesus. Some, what's that? Comfort. Somebody said donuts last service. <laughs> Just touched my heart, man. That was, I love you, man. So when you hear the word church, what, what you know? The body of Christ. Body of Christ. Somebody else. Wow. Love. Couple more people when you hear the word church. I need the spirit of discernment for that one. What's that? Rejuvenation. Ooh, that's a good one. One more. Church from this side. You just heard the word church. What came to your mind? Don't say stop talking, Roger. <laughs> Fellowship. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Let's read one of the descriptors of church given to us in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. And again, this, some of you guys didn't get a chance to proclaim what was on your mind when you thought about church, but this morning I'd like you to read along with me, and the scriptures will be on the, on the screens for you. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. Let's read that together. Ready? Go. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So the scripture describes us, the collective we, you and I who are followers of Jesus, describes us as as the bride of Christ. And our God is preparing us, changing our hearts, working on our attitudes and all that other stuff, preparing his bride for himself. The Bible also uses the human body as a metaphor for the church. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. Starting in verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are Samoans, some are black, some are white, some some are Mexican, And some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? especially when you're driving and you're trying to put the makeup on. How would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. I want to read that again. God has put each part just where he wants it. If some of y'all were in charge of putting the body parts where they belong, we'd look all messed up. But God has put each part where he wants it and where it belongs. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot, can never say to the hand, I, do, I don't need you. The, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 27. Everybody, let's say this together. Verse 27. Ready? Go. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We, you and I, the collective and the individual, we are the church. We make up the body of Christ. Scripture refers to us as living stones. A city set on a hill, salt and light. You didn't come to church. You didn't come to church this morning. You came to a building where the church at Tualatin hangs out on Sundays. I want to say that again. You didn't come to church this morning. You came to a building where the church where Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives, uniting us in spirit and heart and mind. You came where the church hangs out happens to be at this address for this moment. When you leave and go to wherever you came from, restaurant, home, wherever you're going, the church goes there. Horizon Community Church is the local expression of the universal church where Jesus is Lord. He sees us as a beautiful bride. We are individually and collectively integral to the part, to the body of Christ. As followers of Jesus, Jesus, You and I have been adopted into a new family. We've been given a new name, charged with a new purpose, and empowered to fulfill fulfill it. Here's what Jesus said about the church in Matthew chapter 16 and the 18th verse. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he says. I want you to hear that. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail it. Where the church is going, the purpose for which God is... Designed and created her will not be diverted by an oil spill, by an economic downturn, by bad attitudes, by the by the LeBron James going to Cleveland. It is not going to affect that. It will not be in play. Wherever God is focused on, wherever he is sending us to his church will accomplish his purpose and his plans because he's in the middle of it. That's good news for you and I. The gates of hell will not prevail against this. What he says. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Isaiah prophesied in the ninth chapter for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I I really appreciate the worship team this morning. That last song, just the just the worship of us coming together collectively and recognizing who the deal is here, why we're here, why we're being changed on a regular basis. Why we are being transformed is because of Jesus. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, will not conquer it. Matthew 28, 18. Here's what Jesus said in terms of us being able to fulfill the new The things that God has called us to do, individually and corporately. And let me just say this. I'm not talking about a program. I'm going to talk a little bit about life groups, today, but that's just a tool. I'm talking about the, the purposes for which God has collected us together. Matthew 28 outlines that. All authority has been given to me so that you can feel good about yourself. Is that what it says? says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. We've heard this scripture time and time again in church, in Sunday school, on the radio, TV. He says, go. And then look at what verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always. I know the bank account is really tight right now, but I'm with you always. I know your kids are tripping but I'm with you always. I know your wife is on your nerves, but I'm with you. I know your, your husband has just disappointed you. I'm with you always. I know there's difficulty in the household, but I'm with you always. You're t- well, how can I, what am I gonna, what, you know, what, what do you mean I'm gonna do something? I've got, to know, I've got some issues I'm working with. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the dysfunctional family of God. That's what we are. Guess what, you are jacked up. That's nothing new. Don't be surprised if somebody tells you, man, you're jacked up, because you are. That shouldn't be news to you. We are dysfunctional by nature. We are. We are finite, fallible, and fallen. We have some issues that we got to work through. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that by the blood of Jesus, setting us free from the things that we were slaves to, and giving us the freedom to be followers of Jesus and changing as we run into our bad attitudes and run into the different circumstances in our life. God giving us the opportunity to grow. I am with you always. I submit to you that the purposes of God and the plans that he has for your life and for my life are intertwined with his church. You cannot grow apart from the church of Jesus. Can't. I'm sorry, I I don't see that in scripture. Scripture tells us that when he comes back, he's coming back for his bride, which includes you and I, thank God. Which brings me to my next thought. Isolation is not an option. Isolation is not an option if you're a follower of Jesus. Isolation is not an option for you and I. Having created the sun, moon, and the stars, after forming the mountains and setting the boundaries of the ocean waters, after populating the earth with all the life, creating the animals, and and then after... Breathing life into the very first human, God steps back and says something kind of curious to me. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, I'm guessing he's not referring to the ecosystem that he just installed, the, this big where everything's kind of intertwined and, and dependent on each other for their survival. Probably not talking about that. But, but, but that's kind of a curious thought. It is not good for man to be alone. Think about that for a moment. Here's, here's the first human, first man that he's just created. Now, as a guy, I thought he had a pretty good deal. I thought things looked pretty good for him. He's got his own beachfront property, got his, got his own water, 50-foot water slide with you know, theme park with no lines, got an endless supply of lobster, got a ranch full of beef, chicken farm, you name it. He had it going on. The only thing he probably had missing was the HD big screen TV with the remote control, the NFL access, all access. But it looked pretty, if you look at, I'm just saying, if if it was me and I've got all this creation bumping around me, I'm thinking I've got it pretty good. This looks pretty good to me. I'm liking this. And God steps back and says, hey, it is not good for you to be alone, even with all the stuff that you have. Not good. Some of y'all say, well, sounds pretty good to me. Isolation is neither healthy nor beneficial. I want to say that again. Isolation is neither healthy nor beneficial. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, nine says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Y'all better be careful with that. Don't be taking Scripture out of context, you young man. Just... It's a little bit different here. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Remember when we, were, we read a little bit earlier in 1 Corinthians 12 how the body, its health is being determined by the proper working part of each, of each part, proper working order? Yes, the body has many different parts. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Many different parts, not just one part, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Each part of the body, just where He wants it. Isolation is not an option. It is not good for you, it's not good for me, not good for your neighbor, not good for your kids to try to do life alone. Not good, not healthy, not beneficial. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15, instead we will speak the truth of love growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Listen, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Spiritual growth will not happen in isolation. Cannot, will not. You know, when you think about the thought that I'm trying to to engage you in is the importance and the value of doing life together. First Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter, as you know. Every wedding kind of uses that. This past few, a few weeks ago, they used the same particular scripture. But if, if Jesus thought that isolation was valuable, then we need to tear out 1 Corinthians 13. Need to get rid of it. You know why? Because there's a few things that 1 Corinthians 13 implies. If you read the list, the love list has a, has a few things on there. It says that love is patient, right? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means there's, at a minimum, there's a little bit of interaction going on, but it, it at least means there's a, there's a relationship in play here. Or you wouldn't need patience, right? If you're hanging out by yourself, if that was me and Adam and all my animals, I don't need any patience. Shoot, I want some fish, I got the fish. I want to go play with the horses, I'm playing. If somebody comes in my life, guess what? Hey, don't play with those fishes, you need to go cut the grass. I need some patience, Right? It implies that there are people that people are part of the equation. There's relationship involved. Patience and kindness. Let's, let's look at some other issues that 1 Corinthians serves up for us. Just so in case you're wondering that it's okay to do life alone. Just, let's look at a few of these. For example, love is not jealous. So it talks about being secure, right? It says, love is not rude. Are you rude? You wouldn't know it except for your friend told you, right? You're rude. And some of y'all are rude. It's okay. I know I'm, 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 I might be always... Hey, Paul. That's my father-in-law. He's a good guy. And he's not being rude. He's okay. <laughs> you know, it says here, it says that love is not rude. It says love is not proud. In other words... You're full of yourself. Right? You're full of yourself. How are you going to know that? Somebody tells you. You're full of yourself. Love is not proud. Some of you guys, some of us, okay, okay, I'll include myself. Some of of us are control freaks. Right? Some of us are control freaks. says love doesn't demand its own way. That's what First Corinthians, I'm just reading you the Bible. Some of us are control freaks. We want everything under control. We feel good that way. Some of us are grumpy. Love is not irritable. Grumpy spirit is on you. You know, my kids, they, I get the spirit of grumpiness that comes over me every now and then. And uh, you know, it, the beautiful thing about relationships, honey, I'm sorry, but the beautiful thing about relationships that allows us to grow in particular areas, you wouldn't know you had to grow unless somebody was there with you, right? Right? And, uh, you know, sometimes my kids need a little correction. Not often. Yeah, right. But they, they need a little correction, so I, being the non-grumpy one, would start to have a conversation with my kids. And my wife is in the back. She's doing signals like, you know what those signals are, guys, right? It's like it's the look. Like, don't say the stupid, don't say the wrong thing, dummy, because you're going to hurt her feelings. And me being the wise husband that I am, I totally don't even listen to her. I'm gone. I'm already, you know, I've got my emotions going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say what I'm going to say because I'm in control. Right? Grumpy spirit all over me. But if, if, if that was invaluable, if, if relationships were invaluable, it wouldn't be in the scripture. Love doesn't keep record of being wronged. Love doesn't keep a record of being wronged. What does that mean? You, have, you and I have an opportunity for forgiveness. What does that mean? Somebody is going to offend you. hey, Hey, welcome to the club of the offended. Welcome to being offended for life. That's just our lot. We are going to be, because people aren't perfect. Despite what you've heard about me, people aren't perfect, Okay. (laughs) We are going to disappoint you, and you're going to have to forgive us. And some of y'all have been holding on to some things for way too long. It's weighing you down. It's weighing you down. It's inhibiting, You, you know what? What happens sometimes, too, is we isolate ourselves because of those pains. The, the plot of the enemy of our soul is to isolate us from the purposes of God, from relationship with one another, and just knock us out. That's what he does. You've seen it. I don't have to. You, you see, you, somebody does something to offend you. Somebody disappoints you. Somebody does something stupid. Whatever. And all of a sudden, either you isolate them, you and I isolate, or they isolate themselves. And what benefit is that to them? Absolutely None. Our sins, our selfishness, our pride, our grumpiness isolated us from God. It did. And Jesus tore those walls down for us. Thank, thank God. I don't know about you, but when I go through that list, love never gives up. Talking about stick to this. Love never loses faith. I think about trust. Love always is Hopeful. Sounds like we need an attitude check. Love endures all circumstances. Stands firm. Relationship. It's what it requires us. We need to wrestle with these things. I don't know about you, but based on that list, I've got a lot of work to do. And unfortunately, my wife and kids would agree with me. But instead of isolation, Jesus commands us to get engaged in beginning and building meaningful relationships. John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another. Even if they're grumpy, even if they're control freaks, love one another. As I've told you, so you must love one another. But by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Big if here. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you are the church of the living God. If you love one another. The opposite of that is true. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. The beauty of that. Over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Pastor Stan spoke last week about Faith, nothing, nothing else matters. Nothing counts except for faith working itself through love. I love that. We have been set free from a lifestyle where our sins had isolated us from God and others into a life of love and community. We should take advantage of every opportunity that's given to us for spiritual growth, for transformation, for connecting with the rest of the body. Listen to what the former Indianapolis Colts head coach, 2007 Super Bowl champion, had to say on this YouTube.
1: I don't have many regrets in life. I try to learn from the past and look forward to the future and uh, just you know pray about things and, and go that route. And, just really be happy with uh, where the Lord has put me. But uh, there is one thing, if I could do it over, I'd do it a little bit differently, and that would be my college years. Um, as a college student, I really put the emphasis on growing academically and growing athletically. Uh, and I put a lot of time into practice. I put a lot of time into my books. I graduated from the University of Minnesota and was able to go on to a football career with the Pittsburgh Steelers but I didn't grow in that time between 17 and 21 years of age. I didn't grow spiritually as much as I should have and uh, if I could do anything differently I would put more time into an FCA or uh, a church setting as a college student and really think about growing as a spiritual person, and growing in my relationship with the Lord. Fortunately, uh, when I was 21 and I got to the Steelers, I did get involved in some group Bible studies and and I started developing that spiritual side. Uh, But you don't always get that chance. And um, if I could do my college years over, it would definitely be more church, more FCA activities.
0: Now, you, you would think that Coach Dungey would have said, if you, know, if you asked him the question, if you could change one thing, what would it be? You, you might He might have said, I wish I would have just stayed with the Colts one more time. We would have won that championship again. But that's not what he said. He said, if I could change one thing between the age of 17 and 21, I was tripping. Very good in class, very good on the field, got drafted, played, for the, played in the NFL, but when he reflects back, he said, I wish I would have grown spiritually. And then within that context, what does he use as, 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 as a reference point for that growth? He said, FCA, which is a fellowship of Christian athletes, a group of guys that love each other, that are athletes and gals that love God and want to play to the glory of God. Then he also mentioned the church. I wish I'd have gotten more involved in the church because he sees the value of being interconnected and growing as a result of his participation in the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Our spiritual growth and health is directly related to our being an active participant, an active member, a life-giving member in the body of Christ. Why? Because isolation is not an option it is absolutely not an option for you and I. It's not good for us to try to do life alone. Which brings me to my final thought for us today. Meaningful relationships is a must. Meaningful relationships is a must. It, it, at Horizon, we, we're always looking for ways or opportunities where we could help create, create those kinds of settings where meaningful pla- uh, uh, relationships can take place. And, and for, the, for our purposes this morning, I want to focus on, on, on highlighting what life groups look like. Now, in our church, we also have one mother to another shepherding groups. Uh, there are several opportunities for people to get involved. And, and frankly, it, it doesn't have to be something that we as a, as, a, as, a, as a church necessarily put together. You can grab a few friends and begin to do life together uh, and get engaged that way. Romans chapter 1 says this. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come and last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. There's that mutual beneficial exchange of heart to heart, life to life. It does not happen in isolation. It happens when we choose to get involved in I. And this is this coming from a guy that was very guarded. I grew up in a, in a very strong family, and, and we had to, we kind of circled the wagons wherever we went. It was just me and my cousins growing up. And that's just how we, it, and, and so if you were to try to come in and get to know me, it wasn't going to happen. Not going to happen. Not interested. Because I'm trying to figure out what kind of hustle you have or what bad intent you might have. I, I was predisposed to a negative kind of a screen when somebody wants to get gets into my life. Didn't want to trust anybody, just trusted the people I grew up with. Then I got, then I became a follower of Jesus, and it was hilarious. My first best friend was a redneck from Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> Starch white, skinny, non-athletic, with a bad, with a bad draw. How are y'all doing? God has a sense of humor. And he had to break through that, that veneer. He had to break through that wall that I'd built up. For whatever reason, I just, I just built those walls up. Didn't want to get to know anybody else. I was fine. I remember my roommate in college, he said, hey, Rogers at Oregon State. He goes, man, why don't you smile? Would I look like a clown? He goes, you're scaring people. I said, good. They need to be afraid. Just totally a knucklehead. Absolutely backwards in my thinking. Just just warped in my, my relationship gifts. You know, I would walk down the hall. And I remember as a freshman, I'm walking down 2nd I'm walking down the hall, and, and I say, hey, what's up? I'm not interested in their story. Apparently in Oregon, it's normal to just start talking. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, what's up? And I'm, I'm still going, they go, oh, well, you know, today in class was really great. And uh, you know, it's just following me in the hall. I so, man, what do you, what, 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 I gave you the wrong impression. Did I give you the impression that I was interested? I just said, what's up? <laughs> get away. And, and Jesus had to bust in here and deal with my insecurities, deal with my prejudices, deal with me, and just show me, hey, look, I'm, you need to get set free from that stuff because it'll just, it'll isolate you from the people that you need to, you need to get connected with. And, uh, and he did that. It was just hilarious because Mark and I, uh, Mark was a, a mentor to me. He was not that much older th- than me, but he was a guy that loved Jesus, taught me how to pray, would get on my case, would get in my face, tell me I was selfish, tell me I was, you know, all this stuff. It, not to be disrespectful, but there was a skinny white guy telling me, that, me that, that I could replace his face with a punch. <laughs> I was like, are you, are you kidding me? But God just graced that time. He just began to grow me up a little bit, get, you, get familiar with not being so sheltered. Above all else, no, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Those are great relationships, aren't they? When you can encourage somebody with your faith and then be reciprocated in the same way. And I want to just encourage those of you who don't reciprocate very well, knock it off. Stop sucking the the life out of people. Give a little back. Was that harsh? Too bad. Build a bridge and get over it. Oh, my wife's going to get me for that one. You're not nice. Well, I'm sorry. Jesus is still working on me. That's a good excuse for a preacher. The Lord is working on me. No, I'm just dumb. Anyway. But but we wanted to I wanted to kind of First, anyway, let me be, get back to the word before the Holy Spirit runs off. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That's First Peter 4. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve your purposes. Use them well to serve your ministry. Use them well to serve your program. That's not what the Bible says. It says use them well to serve one another. Life groups is one of our primary family room experiences, and, and these are like small adult groups. They're limited to a 16 or, or, or between 8 and 16 folks get together, kind of on a 10 weeks, three-quarters out of the year, fall, winter, spring. Uh, come together for an eight to 10 week period. And I'll describe that a little bit more in a few moments. But I wanted to share an email I received from one of our, one of our life group leaders just the other day. Life group has been a lifesaver for me. I remember when my kids were teens and my husband had, a, had to travel all the time. I felt lonely. I felt desperate for friendships and in major need of any kind of group. God did answer my prayer when I received a phone call inviting me to a Bible study group. I have loved the idea of getting away from home, from the routine and being able to connect with other adults that not only help me grow in my relationship with the Lord, but that I know that in times of need, they are praying for me. They're praying for my husband and and for my kids, too. And I also find myself praying for all of them. I look forward to our once-a-week meeting. Our kids are growing up and having couples with younger kids and knowing how I felt, I believe is a blessing to them to have this amazing opportunity to help each other out. Our discussions in Life Group helped me really think and reevaluate my life. What am I doing for others? Am I being transparent? Am I helping enough? Am I growing in my relationship with God? I read my Bible every day, and I'm counting the days for Life Group to start again. We get so involved in the day-to-day life and work and kids and practice, dinners, meetings, and so on, that we never take time for ourselves, life groups forces us to do so. I love the people in our group. I'm looking forward to continuing our relationship with every one of them. I know that if I ever feel alone, happy, and or in need of prayer, I have friends. I mean, does that help you get an idea of what life looks like when it's done together? We get involved, and we get we're so busy, but we never take time for ourselves, and, and really, that's what what life groups allows us to do. God's purposes and plans for you and I are intertwined with this church. Isolation is not an option and building meaningful relationships is a must. Here's, here's what happens in a life group. I'll just break it down, take a few moments here as we end up. Uh, we meet weekly during the week. Is that a, did I say that wrong? Weekly during the week? Sorry, grandmother. We meet weekly. And, and we meet quarterly and it lasts about 10 weeks. Uh, we, we hold our life groups in the homes. And the reason why we do that is a more relaxing atmosphere. Gary and Liz are, are wonderful uh, hosts for our life groups. Gary happens to be from upstate New York. And Liz is from El Salvador. And she's got some wicked pastries that she throws down. And uh, in fact, this afternoon, our life group's getting together. We, we've been apart for about four or five weeks since the last session of life groups. And, and we're, we're going to get together for a cookout today, so I can't wait to see what Liz has kind of cooked up. But there are three components for, for our life groups. First one is fellowship. Let me translate that. Fellowship, which means food. Okay, you got that? Fellowship, food. Uh, and then the other part is we, 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 we study the, the homework. As Ryan had mentioned earlier, we study the, the sermon, go over the notes, um, and discuss what we got, what we received from the Lord that particular weekend, or what we receive during our study time. Let me just address something to you. Uh, Pastor Stan Russell is a man of God that loves you with all of his heart and loves Jesus with all of his heart. And the thing that I really appreciate about pastor is every week he prays, God, what is it that you have for us collectively as a church and us individually? You know, the the amazing thing, and you probably had this experience, as he's speaking, it's as if he's talking just to me. That's really not Pastor Stan. That's the Holy Spirit ministering to his church, his body, the individual part that's there, trying to tweak us so that we can be prepared for his good work. Every week that happens. Every week that happens. And perhaps that's why the scriptures say, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. So in this setting, in our living room setting, Pastor Stan is praying, Lord, help us hear you clearly so that we can walk it out this week. And I want to encourage you to continue to pursue God and participate in the different environments that we have here like the living room and also the family room but anyway so so we're studying He's studying to prepare himself we have a a homework team that gets together with him we get all the we develop our questions based upon his sermon and then those notes are not and then you can see them in the in the during the services on the weekend we use those notes to have our conversations during the week in life groups the interesting thing about life groups is uh, rarely do you have an opportunity to really build relationships in a, in, in a setting like this. You got one guy up here talking. Sorry, you can't get up here. I've got the podium. I'm not sharing it. But it's really hard for us to connect. So there's a, there's a purpose for this setting. It's biblical. But then there's also the purpose for us getting together from house to house, as the Bible talks about, and building more intimate relationships. Um, anytime friends are willing to get together on a regular basis to pray and discuss how to apply scripture into their daily life, good things happen. It just happens. Colossians says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It takes time to develop relationships. It takes time. Why? Because it takes time to develop trust. It just does. And our hope is that that's what the life groups allow, allow you to do so so the question might be, well, if it, if it takes time to develop relationships and trust, why are life groups only 10 weeks? Well, the practical matter is, is it gives you an easy in and an easy out. In other words, you come into a group, check them out. They might, you, you may have some mutual kind of uh, uh, things that you're interested in. Or you may come into a group and go, this is awkward. I really don't want to be here, which is perfectly fine. But at the end of eight weeks, you can just... Mosey on out, kind of sneak out, and nobody will know, nobody will get their feelings hurt. So that's kind of the reason why we have the, the eight to ten week uh, quarters that, that happen. How can we develop life-changing relationships in ten weeks? Can't. But if you string enough ten-week sections together, you got to shout at it. Uh, our group has been meeting for three years, and I, I absolutely love the opportunities that I've had to get to know some of the folks that are in our life groups and their story and, and, and finding ways that, that I can encourage them, and they certainly have encouraged and enriched my life. 1 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 8 says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not rep- repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Romans 12 says this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another. In brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. Here's a thought that I hope you take home with you this morning. That your and my spiritual life, that your and my spiritual health, growth, and strength depends on your and my being connected to Jesus Christ, and to his church. I want to say that again, that the thought that I want you to take away this morning, hopefully, is that, that our spiritual health, growth, and strength depends on our being connected to Jesus and connected to one another. Because you and I are the church. Isolation is not an option, and building meaningful relationships is a must.